that Pastor John already welcomed all of our uh, new guests, but let me do that as well. My name is Pastor Tanner Turley. Um, I serve as our lead pastor here at Redemption Hill, and we're really, really grateful that you joined us here. It's Advent season. We're marching toward Christmas, and uh, it's just a meaningful time of the year for us, but a very special Sunday because we're going to hear some stories from uh, three people uh, this morning on how God is working in their lives and uh, then have the opportunity to stick around to see them baptized downstairs. So please make plans uh, once that we'll conclude our time downstairs and uh, see these friends be baptized, and then, and then we'll have a little reception for those that can hang around and uh, celebrate together. So um, I don't know about you, but this time of the year is a time that I love for many different reasons. Uh, not, not everything about Christmas, you know, uh, resonates all the time, right? I mean, there are certain maybe pieces of it or that same song that keeps playing, you know, at the coffee shop you hang out at, uh, maybe kind of gets a little old. But uh, there are so many different, you know, parties to attend, um, you know, functions to, 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 to gather at. Uh, you have, you know, Christmas music. You have uh, decorations, you know, around the house if you get into that. Uh, but then also um, what I really appreciate is there's just a, usually a lot of great food. You know what I'm saying? At these parties, at these receptions. Um, and this is kind of a particularly uh, difficult thing for me right now because uh, many of you know that uh, I was uh, sick. I was hospitalized for five days with appendicitis. And uh, what happened uh, from that difficulty was, you know, this is how God works often. Like, when we go through something difficult, he'll, uh, he'll remind us that there are, you know, uh, a lot of great things that can come out of that. And so one of the great things that came out of that for me, all right, this is, a, you know, seems a little trite, uh, but bear with me, was that a ton of our friends cooked these amazing meals, all right, and brought them to us to kind of alleviate the burden of this, you know, difficult time. And so uh, for about a month, I was just eating all of these amazing meals. Thank you for everyone who brought those meals. And then I was eating the leftovers from those meals. Then Thanksgiving hit, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know if you can get tired of a Thanksgiving meal, but by like the next Thursday, I was kind of thinking like, man, this is amazing, but it's starting to taste like my refrigerator. Okay, I need to like calm down off of this uh, food for a bit. And, and now, we're, now we're back into Christmas party season. And Christmas, uh, I don't know about you guys, but, um, you know, you guys can pray for me because sometimes I just, you know, overindulge. And, but <laughs> so, so there are many, many, many different things that we enjoy about the Christmas season, right? And I think it's important for us to, in this season, sing these songs, hear these passages from the Bible read, hear messages about who Jesus is, why he came in the first place, and why that's relevant for our lives. We do this every year, sometimes in different ways at Redemption Hill, but every year we take time to focus on why Jesus, as the eternal Son of God, came to be Emmanuel, which means, as we sing about, God with us. And why is this so important? Because if you are anything like me, it is easy to get distracted by all of the things that are going on in our lives. Many good things and miss the very essence of Christmas and lose the wonder that should come from us knowing how great God is in his love for us and how he has shown that love to us in Jesus Christ. 
And so today, I hope, as we study from uh, the little letter that John wrote, it's 1 John chapter 3, okay, you can go ahead and turn there, um, we'll be on page 1022 for those of you that are using the Bibles we provide. Uh, but, but I hope that as we dive into this idea of not just receiving the amazing love of God, okay, but also giving that amazing love away, I hope that God continues to change your life and transform your life in such a way that you will be encouraged and that other people will be lifted up by you this Christmas season. You see, this is so important because um, like a, you're going to hear from Steve DePrizio. Steve was actually, this is so cool. Right? He was one of my freshman basketball players the first uh, year that we lived in Medford, and I was one of the coaches up at Medford High. And so God's been doing awesome work in Steve's life. Uh, you're going to hear from him. And, and, and if Steve were being honest, all right, he could probably tell you that, you guys know me as Pastor Tanner, but Coach Turley, all right, wasn't the most amazing, I know this is sad news for you, he wasn't always the most amazing guy, you know, to be around because, you know, sometimes after a difficult game, we would run the same drill, right? And if we weren't getting it right, we would run it again and again and again and again, and get back on the line. Let's run another sprint because we didn't do that right. Come on, am, am I right, Steve? Um, he still loves me now, huh? Come on, Steve. Um, but, 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 but so, so the, just like a coach, all right, that, that wants to, or an instructor or a teacher that wants to see their, 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 their student or their player or their pupil succeed, we need to, listen to this, we need to come back to these truths again and again and again because here's the deal. I love this, all right? When God's love becomes real to us and his love hits our heart in such a way that we live out that love, we display that love on a daily basis, here's what happens. Our confidence that we belong to God will grow as we live that life of love. And so I don't want you to miss that. That's the main thought, the main point that I want you to walk away with today, okay? Our confidence before God arises from a life of love. And, and so before we get into 1 John chapter 3, verse 19, I need to catch you up to speed to what's been happening here in this little letter, all right? John actually tells us the reason that he wrote this letter to these this group of, of people who follow Jesus, all right? And some, sometimes when you're reading a book of the Bible, it's not that explicit, but it is very explicit here. And I, in fact, he says four different times, I'm writing to you so that, and he actually gives four different reasons. The, the first is that they would live a life of joy before God. Then he says, that's in chapter 1. Then in chapter 2, he says, I'm, I'm writing these things to you so that you'll live like Jesus, so that you'll reflect who he is. Then he goes on and he says, hey, I'm writing this to you so you won't be deceived by people who are saying things and teaching things that aren't really according to what God has revealed to us through Jesus. And then finally, uh, listen to, to verse 13 of chapter 5, and this is so important. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, check this out, that you may know that you have eternal life. And so here's that idea. God wants us to know. He wants us to have confidence. He wants us to be assured that we belong to, to God through Jesus Christ, because listen, there are going to be some times in our life where we just doubt that. We don't know that. 
And so he wants us to move forward in confidence. And so interestingly, how he does that is he gives a series of tests to help people see whether or not they are truly in Christ, okay? So there are three kind of, you can summarize them in three ways, okay? There is like the doctrinal test, right? That's like, like a preachy word, like what, what on earth is that, Tanner? Okay, it's just mean that the, the teaching that is delivered about Jesus, is it true to that teaching? Is he truly the son of God who became man, who lived a sinless life, who died a substitutionary death so that we can have eternal life rising from the dead just as Jesus rose from the dead? Are you believing those kind of truths? That's the first test. Then there is the moral test. Like, how are we living our lives? Are we following in the radiant steps of Jesus? So we look at our life, the pattern, if you remember, the pattern of our life. Does it reflect Christ? And then number three, related to the moral test, there is an outworking of that life that would be a social test, and that is the test to love one another. And that's where John is going here in 1 John chapter 3. He's saying, look, if you want to have your confidence grow that you belong to God, then live a life of love because that life of love shows that you belong to God. So if you would, read with me verses 18 through 24 of 1 John 3. Here we go. It says this. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in him and he in them. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Let me pray uh, to lead us into the word. God, thank you so much for every person that's here today. God, whether it's their first time, their second time, their second hundredth time, God, we know that you make no mistakes in our life and that you want to encourage us this morning with the, the reminders of who Jesus is and why he came and why we can truly celebrate that this time of year by knowing your love and reflecting your love. And so God, I pray that these next moments would not be wasted moments, but that we would truly hear from you that your spirit would open our eyes to see things maybe we've never seen before, to hear things we've never heard before, and to live a life that we've never lived before. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. All right, I have three truths for you about this life of love that's going to cause confidence to arise in your life. Right? And the first one is simply that, 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 that echoing that truth. Okay, number one, love leads to confidence before God that we belong to God, all right? Listen to that again. Love leads to confidence before God that we belong 
to God. Okay, so, so to live a life of love and to li- grow in our confidence that we belong to God, the first thing that we have to do is to know the reality of God's love in the very first place. And we get this from verses 16 through 18 in chapter 3. So if you see verse 19, look at this, look at how he's building the, the, the argument here. Okay, he says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him, right? To have this confidence before him. What is he talking about? What is this? Well, he's, he's talking about loving as God has loved us. So, so, so look at verse 16. He says, by this we know love that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us and as a result of knowing that love, that sacrificial love of Jesus, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So, so, so loving others begins with knowing the love of God. That's why we're calling this series. If, if you were with us the past few months, we had this series called Radiant, where we were uh, thinking about the idea that John starts off in this letter, and he says, God is light. That's chapter 1, verse 5. God is light. But then in chapter 4, he's going to go on in verse 16, and he's going to have another three-word statement. God is not only light, God is love. And so we are now the recipients of not only understanding this love, but also giving this love away. In order to give it away, we have to know it. And so I don't know about you, but, but this message of Christmas that the eternal son of God would show up. Like, can you believe that God even thinks about you? Like the God who made the world and everything in it, the God who is in charge of everything in our universe, he actually thinks of you and cares for you. Amazing. And can you believe that not only he thinks of you and cares for you, but that he would see us in the mess that we have made for ourselves, okay? And he would send his son to clean up our mess and make a way for complete renewal, not only around us, but also within us. It's amazing love. And it's shocking to us, if we really think about what God has done for us in Christ, it's shocking that we would know this great love, this amazing love. And yet, what I want to tell you this morning is we should not be surprised, and here's why. Because the most natural thing for God to do is love. Why is that? It's because that's who he is. God is love. Listen to the words of Michael Reeves, a theologian who wrote this great book called Delighting in the Trinity, all right? This is what he says. The very nature of the triune God is to be, all right, I love these words. The very nature of the triune God is to be effusive. That means lacking restraint, all right? This is who God is. He lacks restraint, um, ebullient, overflowing with enthusiasm and fervor, and bountiful. It means abundant, right? The very nature of the Chinese God is to be effusive, ebullient, and bountiful. The father rejoices to have another beside him and finds his very self in pouring out his love. Now listen, creation, and he goes on in the book to talk about redemption and our mission to love others. It is about the spreading, the diffusion, the outward explosion of that love. Wow. Wow. A no-holding-back kind of love. 
a love that is so full that it just constantly overflows. See, here's what he's saying. In the very beginning, God existed as Father, Son, and Spirit. And he was con- they were constantly pouring out. The persons of the Trinity were constantly loving one another. And that love just overflowed into creating the world. And that love overflows into redeeming us through his amazing love. And so now, listen, as we, as we know that love, as we experience that love, the only response for us then, surely, is to give that love away. I don't know about you, but, but I find Christmas can be a, a nice microcosm of, of how we just kind of our default mode is to live life on a weekly, monthly basis throughout the entire year. And here's what I mean by that, all right? We live in a very consumeristic culture, right? Am I right? We, like, go to the store. You have a 1,000 options. Black Friday, look online. You want a shirt. You've got 200 options for that shirt, like that store that you like, all right? Not to mention that. So we live in a culture that is catered to us and our desires, right? And beyond that, Typically, what happens at Christmas time, all right, is that we can fall into this mindset and hear people saying, hey, look, you need more. You deserve more. You should spend more on yourself. Anybody hearing this these days? Anybody like in, in the little in the little voice inside of you that's saying like, man, yes, I deserve more. Yes, I should buy that. Yes, I should get more for myself. But listen, when we understand the love of God and what he has done for us in Christ, that mindset, that mentality gets flipped on its head and now we are saying it's not about me receiving more, but it is about me giving more. It is about me pouring out the love that God has given to me. It is about me not spending more on myself, but as Jesus laid down his life for me, now I can lay down my life for other people and I can sacrifice my possessions. I can sacrifice that money that I was going to buy that sweet, you know, uh, shirt or that new technology and I can spend that on someone else. Our love is grounded, is motivated, is fueled by the effusive, ebullient, bountiful love of God in Christ. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And then look at verse 17. He, he goes on, he says, but if anyone has the world's good, anybody have some goods today? You all do, you got here. Um, You're looking good, too. You got the world's goods. Thank you. All right. If anyone has the world's goods and sees, listen to this, and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against them, how does God's love abide in him? So I want you to think about this. We all have needs. There are so many needs around us. I mean, just think about this. This is a little, little, little mental exercise. If I were to just push pause on this sermon, all right? I'm not pushing fast forward yet. I might do that in a little bit, but just pause, all right? Just pause right now. And I were to give everyone just a couple minutes to talk to someone beside you. 
and you were to ask this question, which, you know, we all do this kind of in a, in a cordial way, right? Like, what's up? How, how, how things going? How's life? What's good? How are you? If we were to answer that question, how are you, with complete honesty, all right, think about it, like no mask, you know what I'm saying? Like just being real with one another. My assumption, I believe it's 100% safe, is that hopefully all of us would have some nice things to share, some great things to celebrate in our lives. But also, we would have some things that are going on that are difficult, that are tough. We might have emotional needs. We might have spiritual needs. We might have physical needs. And so, listen, needs are all around us. And what we have to do is open our eyes and care enough and love enough to get into the lives of other people to find out what their needs are so that we can be part of the solution in meeting those needs. Look at verse 17 again. It says, if anyone sees the need and closes his heart against him, how can we, how can we know that the, the effusive, ebullient love of God is in them? And so here's what I would encourage you to do this Christmas season as we think about this amazing love, okay? Could you just ask God, all right, this is dangerous, by the way, if you're gonna live it out, it's a bit dangerous. Could you just ask God, God, show me a need around me and help me meet that need? Anybody, anybody down for praying that? Okay, if, listen, if you pray that, I guarantee you. You keep praying that, I guarantee you God will answer that prayer and show you a need that you can meet around you. Now listen, I know some of you are like, man, if anyone sees the world, like I'm seeing thousands of needs and I don't even know what to do with that. And so like, what does God really expect of me? Listen, we, we all have limitations, right? We can't meet every need in the world, but we can meet many of the needs that are placed right in front of us. Let's be, let's be real. Speaking of being real, let's be real. We stop ourselves from meeting a need because it's like, oh, man, everybody has needs. I don't know even where to start. And so because there are so many needs, we don't even start and just meet the first need that's right in front of us. And yet that is what God is asking us to do, to open our hearts when we see the need to go and meet that need. Because, listen, anything else is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. Verse 18, he goes on and he says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So listen, let's not be those that talk a good game and not back it up. Let's not be those that sing about God is with us, hark the herald, all these songs, all right, and read these scriptures and hear these sermons, but not go out and do something about it. Can I get an amen? We wait, come on now. That is, that is good truth. Like that, is, that is what we are privileged to do. And then check this out. Here's the beauty of it. As you live that life of love, boom, confidence rises. You belong to God. God's love has come into your life, and it's radically changing you to sacrifice for others, to meet needs around you. And so now God is at work in you, and you can have confidence. And that's what he goes on to say in verses 19 and following. 
By this, what is this? This love being exercised on the daily, all right? By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Now listen, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. What is John talking about? Listen, you know this. If, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, and I hope you are, and if you're, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I hope you even today say, like, wow, I need Jesus and what he's done for me. I need him today. There's no better time. But, but listen, if you, if you are in Christ, then you know there are going to be times. Right? This, is, this isn't a newsflash, all right? There are going to be times where you absolutely blow it. You don't live in his love. You don't walk in his ways. And it's not just like, has anyone blown it one time? It's like a hundred times. It's like 200 times. It's like a thousand times, right? And so, so what happens when we sin, when we deviate from God's plan is we have this sense of, man, God, I am sorry for what I have done. And then hopefully we turn back to him. And we ask for his forgiveness so that that relationship remains close, right? Just like when you've offended a friend or when you've, you know, uh, you know offended maybe a, a spouse, right? That we have to clear that up and, and, and clean that offense. And so, but, but what can happen is this. You remember we have an enemy. And that enemy loves to pile on guilt and condemnation. And so this is what it looks like. Hey, you don't really love God. Hey, if, if you love God, you wouldn't have done that for the 50th time in a row. If you, if you really love Jesus, then man, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't keep doing the same old things. There's no way that God can use you in his plans. And so what happens is we start to feel this, this internal check in our heart is saying, it's not the voice, it's not, it's not the voice of truth, right? It's just the, the, a, a voice that, that, that really is a lie that we believe from the devil that is saying, hey, you are not worthy, you are condemned. But this is the good news. God is greater than our hearts. Did you catch that? Whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Like God knows everything, like even the things that no one else knows about you, all right? Things that you have thought, things that you have said, things that you have looked at, things that you have done, all right? He knows all of it, and he is saying, yes, you blew it. Yes, you should be sorry for that, but guess what? My love is greater. My grace is greater. You can still be forgiven. In fact, you are forgiven in Christ, and you belong to me. Wow. Wow, that's the love of God in Christ. That is how we can have this assurance and confidence because of what God is up to in our lives. So I just want to ask you this morning, listen, do you have this kind of confidence before God? If, if you were to stand before God, like you are already living your life before God, whether you even acknowledge that or not, like God sees and God cares and God knows, but one day we will all die and we will stand before God. Will you stand there because of what Christ has done for you and say, you know what, God, I am here because of 
my faith in Jesus and he has forgiven me past, present, and future sin and I belong to you? Or is that thought like really kind of scary to you? Does that fill you with a measure of trepidation? Man, I'm not ready for that because I know I'm not all in with God. I haven't received his love. Listen, if you have not received that love, then please do so today. What's holding you back? There is no greater gift anyone could receive than the love of God in Christ. Receive it today. Follow Christ today. So not only will this love lead us to confidence before God, but then I love this. This love will then lead us to offer confident prayer to God. Look at verse 22. He continues on and he says, let's back up to 21. But beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And check this out. Whatever we ask, we receive from him. Wow. That's another statement. It's like, man, I don't know what to do with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever we ask, we receive. That we can have confidence to go to God and because he's our father, because he cares about us, and we can ask anything. And it says, whatever we ask, we receive it. Like, well, hold on, Tanner. Like, I've prayed so many times, and my prayers aren't being answered. What do we do with that? Well, as we think about this word whatever, okay, this word whatever is in the context of everything we know to be true about God and true about how he's taught us to pray. And so when we pray, we pray according to God's plans and God's desires and his will for our lives. Sometimes we pray and God says, I got you on that. That's the plan, and I'm going to answer it favorably. Sometimes God says, wait. And when God says, wait, he wants us to keep on praying because check this out. Prayer is not simply about getting what we want. Prayer is about growing closer to God. So as we keep going to him, God is changing us and he's building our faith and he's working through these difficulties and trials in our lives to actually strengthen us because that's what adversity does, okay? And so sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says wait, and sometimes God says no. And, and, and God, listen, God has the, the full picture, right? He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And so he is wiser than I and he is... He, he is wiser than we are, and he is working out his good plans in our lives and in our world. And so there are many reasons that, 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 that sometimes our prayers don't go according to what we want, but we know that whatever we ask, as we ask in faith, ask according to his will, he is going to show up and answer according to his perfect plan. Now, how do we pray then? Like, how can we go to God with this kind of, this kind of uh, confidence? And I think there's no greater way to go than how Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. And so probably most of you are very familiar. I just want to reiterate this and remind you of how Jesus taught us to pray. There are hundreds of prayers in the Bible that you can use as a guide for your own praying. All right, just open up to the middle of the Bible. There's a book called the Psalms, all right, and there are all kinds of prayers in there. But I think a great place to start is the Lord's Prayer, where we just come to God with confidence because he is what? Our Father. 
And so when we pray our Father, what we are wanting is, again, more of God himself. But then we pray, our Father, hallowed be your name. In other words, this is about people understanding how great God is, how glorious God is, and we want people to understand that at the end of the day, if there's anything good in us, are you ready for this? If there's anything good in me, then it is a result of God being at work in me, not because I'm great. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then this prayer, your kingdom come. Praying for more renewal around us, in our city, in our schools, in our businesses, in our government, in our individual lives. God, bring your renewal to the lives of the people in my, in my relational networks, in my workplace, in my family. I want them to know what you have done for us through the king who has come in the form of a baby named Jesus. More provision. Give us this day our daily bread. We have real needs. We talked about that. And so praying for physical needs, healing, and sickness, and, and, and God wants us to bring any request to him. And then finally, more transformation. Forgive us of our sins and lead us not into temptation. Listen, when we consistently seek after God, God loves to give us more of himself and he loves to move through the prayers of his people. We've been asking a couple questions around Redemption Health for the past few months. Listen to these two questions. I think they're great to ask every single day, all right? God, what do you want from me? And God, what do you want for me? God, what do you want from me? And what do you want for me? And the answer every single time is, anybody remember? Come on. More, thank you. That's what I'm talking about, Cherry. All right, more. He wants more for us, and he wants more from us. And so what we're praying for around here is nothing less than a wide, sweeping work of God in our lives personally, in our, our church as a whole, that would then continue on in other churches around our city and throughout our city so that thousands and hundreds of thousands of people can be changed by the grace of God. Some people call this an old term called revival, all right? And, and that is about a, a, a giving of life again, all right? It, it is about people that are experiencing God's radical love in such a way that they are changed and they are bringing God's change to other people. And so we're praying for that, God, give us more of yourself that we might be full of your love so that we can give your love away. One of my favorite definitions of revival, such a, a simple uh, phrase, is a people saturated with God. A people saturated with God. We're seeking more of God. We're wanting more of him. We're wanting to experience more of his love and grace and forgiveness. We had a night of prayer last night. I was so encouraged. One of our, one of our small groups had plans during the, the time slot of our night of prayer. Guess what they did? They changed their plans so they could come to our night of prayer. Amazing. I love that because there's a hunger for prayer. There's a hunger for God. There's a hunger to seek more of his work in our lives and those around us. We can have confidence. Listen, you can have confidence. 
to go before God in prayer, ask for anything because of what God has done for you in Christ. And there is a connection between our praying and us living out this word because he goes on and he says, um, we have confidence before God and ask whatever we, uh, we ask, whatever we, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And so I think as we move forward in faith, all prayer is is an act of faith. As we uh, seek God in prayer through faith, then his his love is flowing through us. And that's that's that connection between uh, our faith and seeking God in prayer and his love working through us to keep these commandments. Which then leads me to the the third and final uh, encouragement for us. Love also leads us to confident living for God. Love leads to confident living for God. Look again in verses 23 and 4. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of the, of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in him and he in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. So this confidence before God leads us to pray in a way that is revealing that confidence to God, but also leads us to a life of keeping his commandments so that people can see how much we want to live for God. And so let me just break this down really quick, all right? There are some commands that are like, stop, cease and desist from living this kind of life. You know what I'm saying? So like, um, you know, avoiding, you know, pride, avoiding uh, lust, right? Like we, we look at all of the, the scandals and the sexual harassment and the Me Too movement, and that should break our heart, the broken. That's why we pray your kingdom come, more renewal in our world. And we shouldn't be surprised, listen, I'm not excusing it, like we shouldn't be surprised when we're hearing more and more sexual harassment stories because we live in a hyper-sexualized culture that there are no restrictions, right? You can do whatever you want to do. You can pull up pornography anytime you want. And so listen, God is saying there are some things that you need to stop doing. But there are also some things that we need to start doing. Speak encouraging words. Be kind. Give of what God has given to you. All of these different positive commands, not just stop commands, but start commands. And, and, and what fuels us to live out these commands is a belief in Jesus and the work that he has done for us. So, so you, you see John saying, look, here, here, here's what he wants us to do. Here's how we keep his commands. Believe. Did you know that was a command? The obedience of faith. Believe in Jesus and fulfill his commands. Did you know that all of our failures, listen to this, all of our failures to live out what God has for us, this is awesome, is a failure to believe the good news deeply enough. That's what Martin Luther said, okay? All of our failures to live out the life of Christ that God has set before us in his words are faith failures. 
And consequently, all of our victories are faith victories. Why is that? Because as we believe in the love of God, as we believe in what Christ has done for us, then that motivates us to walk in his goodness, to walk in his love, to believe, God, if you have given me everything that I need in Jesus and you have satisfied me in him, I don't have to go and look at all of these other places for satisfaction because you have given me everything I need in Christ. Listen, as we live that kind of life, Romans 8, 16 says this, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So listen, this Christmas season, are you receiving the love of God in Christ? Have you received that love? Are you living in that love? Every day. And every day, are you not just living in that love, but are you living in that love in such a way that you are giving that love away to other people? Listen, I'm going to invite Dan and the team to come out and lead us in a new song. But as they do that, I just want to ask you a couple of ways to pray, and then I'm going to lead us in prayer. Listen, are, are, are you... Are you receiving that love in such a way that's building your confidence that then you could have this kind of confidence to pray to God, God, would you show me some way to meet a need around me this week to display the love of Christ? God, would you help me to meet a physical need around me? And God, would you help me meet a spiritual need around me. Would you just pray that prayer even right now as I lead us? God, show me a physical need to meet around me, and God, show me a spiritual need to meet around me as we receive his love today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to come together and to remember the Christmas story, to remember through these songs and through hearing from your word of your love. And God, we don't want to just talk a good game, but we want to live a good game. And so, Father, would you help us to see needs around us? God, would you show us a physical need that we can help meet? Even if we're not the full solution, God, maybe you would use us to be part of the solution. God, show us a physical need around us. And then, God, help us to see spiritual needs. God, help us to encourage other people with who you are, your truth. God, help us to share the story of Christmas with friends, neighbors, family who don't really understand what Christmas is truly all about. So God, would you show us, would you help us to live in your love? Through Christ we pray.